All right, we have liftoff. In all ways. So grateful for our liftoff. So grateful for the healing, the expansion, the awakening, the ascension that is taking place here and now. We're in it. It's happening. So grateful and thankful that we don't have to wait or wonder anymore. It's upon us. Now is the time. The time has come. We are grateful and thankful to choose our awakening, to choose our healing, to choose our expansion and our clarity. We are truly thankful, truly grateful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, to the unlimited flow of perfect love happening in our awareness. So all thoughts of not enough, all thoughts of lack, all thoughts of limitation and attack fall away in the presence of the perfect love that we already are. So grateful to celebrate it together. So grateful to celebrate our healing and our expansion and to claim it now, 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 now. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Yes. Yes. So let us begin talking about healing and recovery. And um, some of you were in the class yesterday, uh, which was great. Kevin had a powerful share. Carla was sharing powerfully. And um, so, and it was uh, just, it's a wonderful topic that Spirit gave me to start us off in our conversation with um, the Hawkins material. And Quite honestly, I love when there's a similar conversation in all the classes because each conversation is unique and powerful and transformative. And so I'd just like to start us off with, uh, I, I, I don't know how much of you, how, how much of the book you have read, if you've read it all, but I'd like to just start us off with what's your biggest takeaway so far in looking at his material? What is the biggest takeaway so far? Anybody like to share? Patricia. Well, can't seem to do it myself. Can you get it? I got it. Okay. Um, I think the biggest takeaway that I have is that cause is created in the mind. So our thoughts start the process. And I um, know that the mind, then we have these feelings and then we have these actions. And it's not the situation I'm in or the weather. It's my thoughts that cause these. And how powerful he is to say how he was able to heal himself in all those situ in, in all his illnesses, which um, gave me great 
uh, uh, I say, um, just reinforce my faith in that. Mm. Yes, yes. So this is, um, of course, with the teaching of A Course in Miracles is all the New Thought teachings, Ernest Holmes, Science of Mind, the Unity teachings, the teachings of Jesus, uh, cause and effect, cause and effect. And there's no way to supersede that law of cause and effect. It's always in effect. Um, and there's no need for blame. None. Just isn't it interesting that, oh, look at that. I really trained myself to say, oh, isn't it interesting? Isn't that, look at that. There's the law of cause and effect. And uh, no blame. And no blame. Rosalind. Um, so I have a, a brief story to share um, that I think is very fertile soil uh, for this topic. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had an outbreak of the start of rosacea, and I had it very, very bad, um, just really, really bad case a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I turned up the volume on looking at my thoughts. as, And uh, a class we did a week ago um, when you said, look at what the meaning of your, of the, of the symbol of your symptom, um, it came to me really quickly, you know, that it's not any different from checking my weight, which is what I used to do. Get up and check my rosacea. And I think I mentioned it in the class last week. Yeah. Well, so I want to skip now to a story that happened yesterday. A friend was visiting and um, where Melissa lived, it was called, it's called, um, Tacoma. It's a city near Seattle. And they did a memorial soon after she passed down there where about 50 people came and we called in. We were back in Florida. We came, called in with our message and they asked us to write up our message afterwards. So Isaac, the director there said he was going to send us. Did we receive the package he sent us? So I assumed he maybe asked everybody to write up their message, and I was very much looking forward to hearing these 50 people and what they had to say. But I had, so here I had a picture of what it was going to look like. He didn't tell me it was a book or the printed thing. I just went there with my mind and had these emotions that were anticipating this thing I was going to get. Well, the the body, he didn't check where we were staying and it went just the wrong time to, wrong in quotes, to Florida and it went there just the timing where it wouldn't get then forwarded. So it was sitting outside our porch in Florida for weeks. And finally he called and said, did you ever get the package? I said, no. So we made arrangements, blah, blah, to get the package, cost $40 to have it sent. Phil said, do you really want it enough for $40? I said, oh, yes. I can't tell you how much. I would pay anything to get that package. So I'm, you know, hyped for the package. I have the form in my mind that it's going to come to me. My friend is here, and I've been reading her 
what's happened from the angel book that I've been writing about her passing and the messages. And she's really into it. And we the package comes. And we look at the package. And it's this DVD. And we're all, our DVD isn't set up. So I have Phil set up the DVD. And we're sure it's technological problems. The messages are somewhere in that DVD. All we see are pictures of people. But we're still focused. It's going to be on this DVD. I'm going to get it. Somehow I'm going to get it. And so we spend the better part of an hour trying to get these pictures to speak to us. And there's no vocals. So finally, we all give up and go to bed. And then the, the next, and then in the, in this box are some papers that Isaac needed to return to Phil, like the death certificate, which he needed and so on. This DVD, which had nothing on it, but the pictures of these people that I don't know. And this box of Jenga blocks. And I know this game. My friend knows this game. So we never open the box. We say, I don't know why he sends us a box of building blocks. So I try to thank him without saying, hey, was there any vocals on this DVD? Because, I mean, if there isn't, I don't want to be ungrateful. But now I got these pictures of the people that don't mean much, and I'm disappointed. My vibration is lowering by the moment. And, I'm, you know, I'm going, geez, I got to thank him for this thing that's very weird. And so I say, and by the way, what's the symbol of the Jenga blocks? And so he, so here's the bottom line. In the bottom, so we never open the Jenga box. Each person has written on these blocks their specific messages of love and acknowledgement to Melissa. They are more heartfelt than anything I could have pictured in a speech. I couldn't even get through the whole box just because my heart was so full. I just need to save some. But I, we almost missed it because we were so focused on how it was going to come to us. And the vibration was higher than a kite when I thought I got it and it was coming and lower than you can believe. So disappointed. And, and there it was all there, but in a form I hadn't expected. Yes. I'm beyond anything I could have even dreamed of having from these people. Yes. Wow. Is that not a good story for his work? That's such a good story. It's such a good story, especially because you're so clear about what happened. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. Thank mm. you. Mm. It was a gift for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we were in this mood of Melissa and the book and the messages. And we thought it was so perfect. The package arrived. But we had a picture, such a clear picture, that my friend and I were now going to commune with the DVD. And we never opened the box. Yeah. And and what's really great, too, is you realize how your vibration was lowering. Mm Mm-hmm. Anand, you want to? I said I had a question. Just uh, did you ever ask the, him if there was anything on that DVD? I did, and and the funny thing is, what keeps on happening is all the little, I don't know what you want to call it, all the little secrets in a way that he kept from Melissa, 
Like, for example, he never bought that dog that he brought into her life that she ends up keeping. It was given to him. And I can't even tell you how much was um, about whether he was going to then charge her for the dog when he moved out. Just keeping that little piece of information that he never paid for the dog, that's just something he does. He keeps little things. And so he never made those pictures that are on the DVD. Someone gave it to him, but by leaving out that he did, that his gift to us didn't come from him, that he's, this DVD was made by a client who photographed the evening, and as far, he doesn't really know on him whether there was anything because he he just got it like I did. And I see. I see. So, the- but 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 in a way, I feel like it's part of his healing and our healing with him that all these little stories that are coming out that he keeps it a little piece of information that makes it look one way when it's actually another way keeps on happening. So anyway, it's all part of our healing together. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that, uh, that it wasn't really there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if it's a DVD, there's a part of me that's like, you know, maybe right. there's a menu and maybe something, something. So, and we put it in a computer. It also didn't play. He didn't get it to play either, but I mean, we could also check with the client who made it. Yeah, I, would, I would I would just do that just in case maybe yeah that would be nice yeah yeah I, that's a good idea um, it's a very good idea not to, not to assume anything and yeah. make up stories but it just feels so clear that all of our healing is together these people and what they say I mean things like I never knew I could be the person you showed me I could be by your treatment of me I mean you know, like we're all in this together. It's not absolutely. You know, all. Yeah. I've seen so many times when one person can hold a vision for another. It it just it completely transforms everything. One of my favorite stories that I have ever heard anybody tell. Well, I heard Michael Beckwith tell. Well, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, or whenever it was. He told a story about a man he knew who had a young son, and it was a long time ago I heard this story. It was at least 15 or 18 years ago. Um, So I might mix up a few of the details, but this man had a young son, maybe 8 years old or 9 years old, 10 years old, something like that, who was struggling in school, particularly with math. And the teacher wanted to put him in a, um, like a slow learners class. And I'm sure you all know the experiments that have been done. Maybe you don't know. Uh, there's been so much research in schools about the best, um, about teachers' thoughts about students influencing how students do. And experiments where they took the the slow learner labeled students and brought in a new teacher and said, these are the advanced students. And those students immediately began to do so much better. And they became excellent students. And then taking the advanced students, bringing in a new teacher and saying, these are the slow learning, difficult children. And then that's how those kids start showing up. 
And um, it's the, in the story that Michael Beck was told, it was this man he knew who had this young son who the threat was that he was going to be put in the slow learner class. And the father just, that was not going to happen to his son. No way, Jose, that was not happening to his son. He knew that his son could do it, but his son just didn't know how to do it yet. He didn't know how to unlock the part of his mind that was capable. And so he was really working with the son, and the son had some exam that he was going to have to take, and the father um, was trying to prep him for this exam. There were certain concepts, mathematical concepts, that he had to know in order to succeed in taking this exam. And he kept working and working and working with the child, and the child just wasn't getting it. But they they literally stayed up like late into the middle of the night, and then all of a sudden, the, the boy got it. He got it. He really got it. His mind opened up. He understood it. Because his his father was helping him with it, but the sense I had was the father from what Michael, the way Michael told the story, was, the sense I had was that the father was not like one of these um, pageant mothers that are, you know, obsessed with their, but he just knew. The father just knew the son was capable of it and he wasn't going to give up until the son had the clear ability demonstrating. So very patiently and kindly and lovingly working with him until the breakthrough happened. And I frequently think of that story because I talk with so many people who say things like, I just want to give up on this. I just want to give up. And I always think, yeah, you can give up. Sure. But why do you want to give up? Would you rather if, and one time I said to a counseling client, if you knew that the outcome that you desire would arrive by FedEx 10 months and 10 days from now, that it was guaranteed, FedEx would deliver the results you want. They were going, they were guaranteed. Would you give up now? Or would you be willing to work towards it from now till then? If you knew your success was assured, would you give up now? And when people, when you, when I ask people that, uh, they say, we, it takes them a while. Like they're like one of those cartoon characters. It's, you know, flattened out by a car and it's like, whoa, they're coming back to life. Um, it takes them a while to wrap their mind around, well, how would I even hold that? That it's definitely going to happen. And I say, that's it. And that's really in part what that activation session is about. That whole template for the activation session is about is supporting people and holding this vision for their life. Because we can hope and we can try. But it's very different to know. It's very different to hold a vision and to call it forth and to accept nothing less. Very, very different mindset. And this is what we must do to speed up our awakening. We don't have to do it. 
There's no law about it. It's just what would we like? Would we like to move confidently in the direction of our aspirations, really knowing that we cannot fail because spirit cannot fail? Or do we want to hem and haw and take detours and get tired and all those things? So to me, it's not about blowing out our circuits or exhausting ourselves. It's about working at the level of the mind and being absolutely clear this is happening. The awakening is happening. It's happening here in my awareness. It's happening right here, right now. And I, I have no doubt. I have only the knowing that it is happening. And instead of looking for the signs that it's not happening, looking for the signs that it is happening. And not even needing signs. That's living by faith. I, I don't know if I've shared with you folks, but, uh, Many years ago, I had a, a colleague that I was doing work with, and we had become quite friendly. And my colleague was able to see the angels, the masters, able to see people's chakras and their auras and their past and their future, and they could see all these things. Very, very clearly, extremely clairvoyant, extremely clairvoyant. And my colleague used to say to me on a regular basis, how do you have so much faith when you don't, like, you are not seeing what I'm seeing, but I still doubt it even though I see it clear as day. I still doubt it. I still doubt myself. How do you have so much faith and you're not, you don't have any of this clairvoyance? I just have a little bit of clairvoyance, uh, comparatively. And my, my colleague had just like, like Doreen Virtue, really, practically, you know, disability, this sight. And I, now I know, I didn't really know for sure at the time, but now I know my faith comes from my ability to be, I'm more interested in the truth than I am in my opinions and judgments. And it's, it's that dedication to the truth that is my clarity, my faith. And so it's thy will, not, not mine, living by that, which my colleague didn't live by so one of the things I really like about Hawkins book is the real world examples or the the false world examples of uh, these demonstrations of truth uh, anybody like to see share anything about any of this before I, I slightly change the topic a little bit? There's just one more thing I want to say. If I had remembered when the, before the package comes came that my good is in this package no matter what, then I would not have been 
in a way falsely high and I definitely wouldn't have gotten low and I would have had the faith to wait for the answer to be shown. You know, remember on Monday night you told that story again about uh, your boyfriend and he breaks up with you before it actually gets even started forever, his reasons. But you say to yourself, my good is in this even though I can't see it yet. And I think if we apply that to everything, even the small package. Yes. Um, I, I, it, all that dance of all those emotions and vibrations changing then being so disappointed in the packet, you know, it's just all unnecessary. It takes you out of the straight line to truth. Just wanted to share that. That was right. And, and what it also does, Rosalind, though, is it shows you the edges of your faith, your opinions, your preferences, your desires, your wanting, your needing, your craving. Mm-hmm. It shows you the edges of those things, and so that's very helpful. Yes, it's my attachment to the form. You know, first I was disappointed it didn't come in the form of a book. Then I was going to be happy with the DVD. Then the DVD didn't come. Then I was unhappy. And anyway, you can spell the rest out. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Rosalind. Anand and then Carla. Yeah, as far as what you were talking about with these abilities versus uh, following the truth and enlightenment, uh, in Hinduism, we a lot of different uh, teachers have talked about this, uh, the idea about uh, these, these sort of extraordinary, miraculous abilities that people have and how that can happen on the road towards enlightenment that um, that people can experience these these powers, we call it powers. And that many teachers say that, hey, you know, you might experience these powers, but in a way that that doesn't mean that you're enlightened. It just means that you're experiencing these powers. And also a lot of people are warned and they, they say, hey, you know, you might experience these powers, but that can actually strengthen the ego and lead you off of the path because you become enamored by the powers. And then you start thinking things like I'm better than other people or this or that. And then that boom, your ego's in place and you throw away your spiritual progress because of the powers. Not to say that the, it has to go that way. It, both can happen, but enlightenment doesn't mean necessarily that you have these powers or don't have these powers. Enlightenment is not the same thing, but these powers may show up on the way as well. So we've been taught that many times. So I just thought I'd share that with you because um, it's not necessary to have those type of powers to be enlightened. It's really about, you know, have you shed the ego and are you experiencing that peace and the bliss? If you're experiencing that, then that's much more of a signpost of enlightenment than being able to see the future or all those other things, psychic abilities or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I remember we, there was someone in Masterful Living at one point who um, had been studying spirituality for many, 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 many years, decades, and who uh, there was uh, one of the topics that was brought up in the class were some esoteric spiritual practices um that people could do to work towards enlightenment 
And this particular student immediately jumped on trying to pursue those and uh, following up with that and was so clear that this person really, if they could just really focus on practicing the non-judgment and get that down and practice holding a vision for their life and a vision for the, their loved ones, that that would be so beneficial. And, and uh, what I noticed was they weren't committed to doing that, but they were chasing some esoteric prayer chanting posture thing. And I, 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 of course we see that a lot in spirituality that people are uh, looking for these esoteric practices. In fact, what comes into my mind now is a story that I heard Edwin Gaines tell. If you ever get a chance to go see Edwin Gaines, she's so funny. She's hilarious. So she told this story, and she told it as like a 20-minute story, very elaborately, which I won't do. But briefly, she told this story of how she was going through a time where she felt really despairing and despondent, and she really felt she needed to have a breakthrough. And so someone told her about this guru in a far-off place who had really helped them and performed a miraculous healing, uh, energy healing, and that there was a group of people going to visit this guru in the far-off place did she want to go? And she's like, I'm all over that. You know, so she, she planned it in her schedule and it was a long journey halfway around the world. And then, um, there was trekking and hiking. And this is, and Edwin is, is, um, uh, not someone who appears to be in shape. Uh, and, um, she, um, she managed to get up into this, cave where the or whatever this hut where they were meeting with the the healer and there was a small group of them maybe 10 people and she was so excited so so excited and uh, guru they took hours and hours to prepare this healing elixir right that they were going to use in their healing ceremony and she's just like this guy, I can tell this guy has the high vibrations. This is my, this is it. This is my opportunity. I'm so grateful. I'm so, thank you, God, for bringing me to this place. Thank you for my healing. She's all in for it and so excited and it means so much to her. She's going to have this breakthrough. And so the healer says, who would like to go first? She's like, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. So she's, she's, he says, okay, first take off all your clothes. Now this is a woman who is a kind of round and, uh, you know, maybe 200 something pounds and out of shape in her sixties, right? With a group of other people from her church. She's the minister. And the healer says, take off all your clothes. Did you ever hear this story, Sue? Oh, so funny, the way she told it. And um, 
she said, so she, she was like, this is my come to Jesus moment, you know. I have to decide, am I going to do this for my healing or not? So she said, all right. So she took off all her clothes in front of everybody in this hut, right, in a far off place. And then he gives everybody a cup of the elixir and, a, and a, like a bamboo straw. And he says, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to suck the elixir into our mouth through the straw, and then we're going to blow it out on top of her. We're going to spit it all back on top of her, on her naked body. You can imagine how she felt just like, this is just getting worse and worse every minute, right? So um, she went through it all. She went through it all. So when the ego is in charge of our spiritual healing, these are the kinds of experiences we attract. It's just the truth of it. It is just the truth of it. So, uh, I feel very grateful that one of the things I learned from Michael Beckwith was he said that he he went through this period where he started uh, having these out of body experiences, and he found it was getting easy, it was very easy to just kind of roll out of his body, and he would do it at night. He would lay down to sleep whole family's asleep in the house and he would roll out of his body and then he would go around the house and he would like move things on his kid's dresser and things and then go back in in his body and see how it moved and stuff like that. So he was doing things like that. He said, but it wasn't very long before he realized there was zero benefit to doing any of that. And he just stopped it. He said, it was just about phenomenon and it's not healing. And I was so grateful to hear him tell me that story because I knew I didn't need to, to learn any of that. I didn't need to seek that kind of thing. So that's why I just have been so, so focused on the healing at the level of the mind and offloading all separation thinking in whatever form it takes. And, and being grateful for everything just as it is and holding a vision of what I would like to experience, but not having any attachment to how I'd like it to be, how I'd like to feel without how I'd like it to be informed. And that to me has been the fastest path of my healing. And um, it was extremely confrontational to my ego in the beginning, but I got through that period. And I don't, it's not confrontational to my ego anymore. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Carla. Let's see here. I can, there you go. Thank you. Okay. I, I'm going to say this sentence in the, something in that chapter that was so powerful to me. And I realized something else while you're talking. I just had an interaction with my neighbor the last couple of days. I just moved in and built his house for a year, whatever. And so she's really in a certain way. It's taken him a long time. And so she's developed, I don't know if she's developed it or created it or whatever it is. 
she has this a way of her that she sees things that whatever needs to be fixed. And I was trying to tell, it's interesting, I was trying to, to share with her perceiving the successes. So don't see what needs to be, it's, and it was interesting because I saw, I saw while we're talking that I was trying to make her something else and not accept her. And so what was interesting is the blowback. I didn't realize it at first, but then she said, oh, no, this is just how I am. And, and I realized by the end of the conversation, I was accepting her as she perceived herself. And so this goes to the line in the book that I really like. We, on page 55, so we can see how powerful the mind is. And one of the difficulties to overcome in self-healing is the willingness to accept the great power of the mind. And I think I, I shifted, I'll read it first, how the sentence is, and then I'll say my sentence. That we cannot let a negative thought go unchallenged. And that's this. That's just that experience with my neighbor. And so what my, my shift of that, that sentence, we cannot let one thought go unchallenged. It doesn't matter if it's, uh, oh, they're so nice. They did whatever the, you know what, it's any attachment to all those thinking. Now it's really, really, really extremely powerful for me. <laughs> That's it. Thank you. Yeah, I totally get it. You know, I underlined that same section right there. We can see how powerful the mind is, and one of the difficulties to overcome in self-healing is the willingness to accept the great power of the mind. Right? Why wouldn't we be willing to accept the great power of the mind? And, and anyone, but go ahead, Carla. Oh, no, I thought you were asking me. I was going to ask if you were asking me. Anybody, why wouldn't we be willing to accept, Patricia? Fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the unknown. Maybe we're, that we'd be so powerful that we could change our life and maybe we're afraid to change our life. Uh-huh. That, um, because then we know we have control. Um, yep. And control... Then we don't have excuses why it didn't work out. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Yes. That's it, too. I I, I have an idea. Oh, we can see something, Rosalind. It's, it's, it's uh, pretty much what Patricia was saying. It's the end of victim mentality. It's that total 100% responsibility that we apparently shirk from. We take responsibility in where it doesn't belong, like blame and shame and guilt, and use it in, in a twisted way, which is so different from responsibility, which is just accountability, acknowledgement of our thoughts without judgment, and, and really seeing them for what they are. You know, impactful uh, 
entity, energy. Um, acknowledging that is, is something we're reluctant to do because we don't want to take that responsibility. We'd rather blame and shame and guilt. I have a thought. I know you. I feel this for myself. I don't trust myself in a way because I ha I believe something less so the judgments. I believe when I get upset and what I'm afraid of the power of my mind. Believing in the power of my mind because those moments when I'm judging or upset or thinking things. What could happen? I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Anand, were you going to share something too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was pretty much going to agree. I was going to say what Carla was saying was that I had that same problem where I was afraid of the power of my mind because of the negative thinking that I was uh, experiencing. And I thought to myself, if I think this hurtful thing about somebody or myself or whatever, that I'm actually hurting them just by thinking about it. So I was very afraid of it, the miscreations of the mind. And I was really afraid of the damage that I'd be doing to other people um, through my, if, if, if I was so powerful and every time I'm having an attack thought, God, who knows who I'm damaging? You know, I just be super afraid of it. Um, but now that that's sort of cleared up, I'm not afraid of the power of the mind because I've sort of realized that the power of the mind um, is more powerful when it's in line with the truth and not when it's in line with the conflict. Although conflict, mental conflict will affect others poorly, which I was afraid of, um, that's not on a true level. So I've come to the realization that the good thoughts that we have, the loving thoughts that we have are real, and the unloving thoughts that we have are unreal. So really, you can go beyond that. So you don't have to be afraid of your power and the power of the mind because it's a healing power, not really an attacking power. So I kind of came to that point with it. Maybe, too, um, it has something to do with separation um, because all, all of what I said has to do with believing in separation. You know, if you're ashamed and, and you don't want to take responsibility. But if we go to following up with Anand, what Anand was saying, if we go to an understanding, the knowledge that we are in the mind of God, we can trust. And we don't have to be afraid of any thoughts that are distorted because there is no separation. So we can relax into the mind of God. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Totally. Well, the, uh, yes. And still, though, if we're thinking thoughts that are our attack thoughts, mm, then we, we're not thinking with God. Right. But we are going to experience yes. because of the law of cause and effect. We are we are using our awareness mm -hmm. to miscreate. Yeah. Yeah, this to me, when I first read the cause and effect section in uh, the text of Course in Miracles, it's in chapter two, right after the fear and conflict section, it, uh, it affected me so deeply because I realized this is precisely why so many light workers are playing small, is they give themselves permission to attack. 
And so they don't want to know how powerful their thoughts are because they'd have to give up their attack thoughts if they were willing to recognize how powerful their thoughts are. And they're just not willing. They're not willing yet. Well, I think because of A Course in Miracles, um, learning that our miscreations are actually the whole problem um, and learning that I really need to stop these attack thoughts and, and learning the procedure and doing your classes and all that stuff, I think that that's if I did, if I wasn't aware that those thoughts were causing that kind of level of problem throughout my own mind and other people's minds, that it's all one thing. I don't know whether I would have been willing to let go of those thoughts, you know. So that process was was very difficult and very. Uh, at first, it was very painful to let go of these thoughts that you think are real and true and correct, and then be able to and then. Knowing they're not true, but then believing them because they're happening and they're so crazy that you're like, how could I even think such a terrible thing if it got to the point where it's like, does evil really exist? I mean, it really seemed like that. But then having that forgiven and taken out, because I like in A Course in Miracles, they say, you know, plead everything that you have in your mind towards the higher court, the higher court being God, uh, God's higher court. And any case that you give him, um, he will dis merely dismiss it. Any case that you have against yourself, bring it to the higher court, and this higher court will merely dismiss the case. So, um, and your plan against yourself may be foolproof, but uh, anyway, I don't remember the quote. I would have quoted it correctly, but I just love that idea that, you know, just take you whatever nonsense is going in your mind that's causing you so much pain and guilt and shame, bring it over to the Holy Spirit. He'll just throw it right out. It's gone. That's right. So, Take down the trash. Yeah. So it's just, there's hope, you know, even though we're miscreating and creating a lot of havoc, there's no reason to feel guilty about it. Just give it to the higher court. And and that's why I, I know I was led and guided to create Masterful Living because I didn't know any groups that were really committed to doing this work. Um, it, and it really wasn't my idea to create this at all, not at all. And, and as you probably heard me say, when I first got the inspiration to do it, I kind of groaned like, oh, God, I don't want to commit to doing a weekly class for a year. No. And it just was so clear. Yes. Yes, this is the way. You don't have to do it, but it's the way. I love your dog, Anand. Yeah, he's 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 a cute guy. He's, he's yeah, awesome. he's, he's wagging his tail there. He's looking out the window. Yeah, he's he's every time he hears a noise, he he gets all up in arms like he's a big guard dog, and he's not a big guard dog. He doesn't. He he's just not that strong and powerful. He doesn't know that he could be. Thank goodness. But, yeah, he's cute, and he's so loving. He's ridiculously loving. He's always cheerful, always happy to see me, and I just love the guy so much. He's such a sweet dog. I don't know what you want. He's just a sweetie. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> so what I would love to be able to have us do is to go into a breakout 
And um, so we're going to do the breakout. It was so fruitful when we did it yesterday in the year two class. So um, my here's what we're going to do in the in the um, in the breakout that um, to think of a challenge, maybe it's an illness, but a challenge, uh, something that uh, has really bothered you and to look at uh, just like Hawkins talks about where he went and thanked his ulcer for showing him right what he was thinking what he was feeling so in your breakout discussing gratitude for what that challenge may be a physical illness but it may be emotional it may be relationship it may be life uh, in some external way, but really consciously focusing on through the conversation and joining with others, what are you grateful for? Because what is it bringing up in you? What is the challenge bringing up in you? What is it bringing to the surface? What is it forcing you to look at? And, and part of the reason for discussing this is so you can have more clarity about any of the shadows around it that you haven't been willing to look at. So those of you who were in class doing this yesterday, maybe you pick a different issue. That's fine, of course. And um, so thank you to the the issue, the concern, and then... What are the benefits that you have received through experiencing this challenge? What are the benefits that you have received through experiencing this challenge? And then finally, is there anything you're avoiding? Is there anything that you can see now after going through the gratitude, what it's bringing up in you? And what the benefits are, is there any part of it that you're avoiding, that you're putting the brakes on, that you're not focusing on, not willing to put your attention on yet? All right, any ahas, any insights that you get gleaned from your breakout? Anything you know now that you didn't know before? Anything you understand now that you didn't understand before? Elizabeth? Well, I, I had like a light bulb come on. Uh, I, I have a clutter issue that I'm cleaning up. And I never looked at the clutter as a way of avoiding relationships. And all of a sudden that jumped out of my mouth. And so it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm sure that's true. So say a little bit more about how the clutter relates to avoiding relationship. Well, because if it looks so bad in there, you're not going to, if somebody knocks on the door, you're not going to open it. Or there's not a chance of inviting anybody back for lunch or dinner or, or other activities. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, a way of keeping people out of the door. So what are the 
uh, what are the uh, what are some of the other thoughts or ideas around the clutter? Uh, well, I think it's emotional padding, just like the extra weight that I carry on my body is emotional padding. And and the interesting thing is that I had a lot of stuff stacked in front of all the windows and all the rooms. Like uh, I said this in the breakout, like I was uh, avoiding or expecting uh, a drive-by shooting. Like stuff in front of all the windows. Like a barricade. A barricade in front of the windows. Wow. Yeah, interesting. You see, this is what I find is that people say they'd like to do the deeper spiritual work. But having the conversation, taking the time to look at what, what are we really thinking? What are we really doing? Spending time with spirit, joining together with others. This, this is the healing work, you know? It's just, you've made an appointment with yourself on Wednesdays at this time for the healing, and the healing happens. You, you don't need, you know, you don't, we don't need to gather in this way, but it just facilitates it because it's more fun, it's more interesting, and we're all like-minded. We're all coming together with the same intention. Yeah, powerful. Rosalind? Yeah, I'd like to share because this exercise came once again on the perfect day. Um, I was chatting with my good friend this morning and saying that I would like to leave on the Camino my anxiety that's behind self-preservation. And she said, well, wait a minute, you can thank your self-preservation because those of us who are not self-preservation, you'll always have the, the energy bar and the nuts and the chocolate and the things for us to share. And I said, oh, that's really a good... Uh, reformulation of it but and then you took it further with your exercise and by asking us these questions I realized that what it's showing me what the symptom of or the defense of self-preservation in the enneagramic way of thinking about it is my distrust of God distrust that I will be provided so I'm always ready. I'm taking care of it because of separation and not believing that I will be taken care of. So that hits me in the heart and opens me up. And I want to, um, along with what the book is teaching us, let go of that thought and let go of the behavior that comes with it and the defense that comes with it and the whole strategy that comes with it. Um, and what I would be avoiding is the love of God. Because while I'm busy taking care of myself, I'm not feeling the love of God. I'm feeling like all the things I need to remember that I might need and getting them all there in this small amount of, you know, how do I get 12 days of extra food with me um, that I might need? You can't. So that's perfect opportunity um, to... Um, let this go and know that yeah. I'll be provided. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I so relate to that, Rosalind. For um, a long, long time, 
decades, I, um, I was, I had issues around making sure that I, I wouldn't get hungry and get hangry mm -hmm. and panicking around that. And it did help me to do some past life work and realize that I had starved to death in a number of lifetimes. And that was the root cause around it. Uh, and I, I did the same kind of exactly what you're just saying there, moving into a place of, I trust God that my needs will be met when I have needs. Mm -hmm. I don't have to always be um, trying to manage and control things that possibly could happen in the future. Mm -hmm. I really can live by faith. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I, before that, I always had to have snacks in my car and this and that and mm -hmm. think ahead and in case I, my blood sugar started to drop or whatever. And it's just not a thing now. And even sometimes now I'll realize, oh, I just went out of the house without water. I guess I was trusting that water would be, ne be provided to me if it was necessary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I had the... Um the um, similar experiences. I didn't have to go to past lives in the sense of the Nazi camps. Um, people starved, and right. uh, the angels have been taking, directing um, my reading material since since Melissa passed, and they had me read um, Man's Search for Meaning, and I thought, you kidding? I live this. Why do I have to read Viktor Frankl? I mean, I know this back and forth. I you know, I was like, no, that you need to read that book. And so I read the book and recently, and and he, I'm so glad that you said what you said because now I connected up another piece of why um, why they wanted me to read the book. And there were many opportunities he had to change his fate, like to try to escape. And it felt awful in his body. He's not making any judgment about anybody who escaped. He just noticed his thoughts that after he had this plan to escape, he felt horrid. And so then he changed his mind and said, no, I, I'm going to track this vibration and say, no, I will say yes to whatever my fate is and trust this. And it turned out that the plan he was going to make to escape was going to get him into a worse place. And those people all died. And he lived through that particular plan because he didn't escape. But it, it's another it's another way of looking at trust. You know, it's saying, you know, it's saying yes to life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I experience that all the time. People will say, why don't you do this or that? And I've my body is like, oh, no, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I say, I, no, I'm not. But, but, but this and this and this, people say. They want to talk me into it. And I say, it's not logic. Mm -hmm. There's no, it's, I'm not deciding from logic. I'm feeling it's not, not for me. Mm -hmm. So it's like I'm in this beautiful house in Maine, and my, our house and my brother said, why don't you just live there? Why don't you just live there? It's so beautiful. You love it there so much. Why don't you just live there year round? And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't know why. 
but I just know I can't do it. It's not going to work for me. And that's what he means by fate. It's, it's not what we take fate to mean. It's exactly that. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can feel the, the power of that, that shift for you and the opportunity that the Camino will bring. Yeah, me too. Have you talked to Richard Karen Carruthers about it at all? No, because they on they go a different route. They don't they don't do the Portugal route. Got it. But I am going with Lisa Natoli and of course in Miracles People. So Oh great. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a few conversations with Lisa about it. We were shopping for her clothes yeah. together. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Anybody else like to share? Ahas, insights, realizations from the breakout. Yeah, I've been prompted to. I have like so much shame that it's like hard to talk about. <laughs> but wow. I think just getting it out is helpful. Um, and I can see the physical, how it's showed up physically relates to, I can just see it like it's, the past few years it's taken me on this journey and I was just so the I got candida in my gut and um yeah I was just looking at what it what it is related to actually and um I know that it's it's feels like it's a real central thing for me because it stuck around for so long and it's so layered and it's led me to it led me even to the point of where I was working with the practitioner around healing my gut and eating properly and all that kind of stuff. And it was him who said to me, there's something missing, Jenny. It doesn't make sense why it's not healing and um, because we've tried everything. And so he said, it's, it's stress. And, uh, and that's where I realized why I really needed to change my life. So that's kind of was the, the, indicator of the um leaving my job and the instigator of all of that so it's brought me on this incredible journey but I also feel like I don't need it anymore like I don't need I don't need the physical um I don't need it to show up like that anymore because it's taught me so much I think the I think the belief is or I'm victimhood, like I'm not a victim, and I know I'm not a victim anymore. So, um, yeah, I'm ready to let that go. Beautiful. What, Jenny? What? What is the judgment that is the cause of the feeling of shame? Um, I think I'm, like, I'm not acceptable. Like, yeah. 
Yes, looking at those thoughts, writing them down, turning them over to the Holy Spirit. So you can release those self-judgments. And thanking the Candida for bringing these up into your awareness so you could release them forever and share the benefits with everyone. Yeah, it feels like it's been such a long journey that it's almost the longer it's gone on, I've realized, oh gosh, I must have been affirming things for a long time. Um, and what I'm taking away from his book is the I'm an infinite being, so this no longer applies to me. Yeah. And um, I can see that. I can see it being, being a how healing that is to recognize that all those small thoughts aren't aren't true and you know just the you know when when I was reading his book this was the issue that I saw that I was like okay well so I guess my intention is to prove God with it to know that this is um as it doesn't feel like karma to me like in that sense of it it feels like something that can heal in this Mm. lifetime Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I'm I am I've been grateful for it f- for a long time, which brought me through a lot. Like at the beginning, I was so frustrated, and uh, you know, having to allow it to be there to teach me. I've kind of gone through that phase of just letting it be there. Mm. And um, I don't I don't actually want to get rid of it. If that makes sense. In the sense of I don't, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to go. But what, what I do want to release is the, is, is whatever is causing it. I'm so grateful to have realized, uh, even before I read A Course in Miracles, that we don't have to know what the root cause of things is in order to let them go. So, And so grateful that it says in A Course in Miracles, the, doing the healing is not your job. It really is not our job. And that, to me, is the power of Hawkins' work. It's the power of Joel Goldsmith's work, too, Joel Goldsmith, the Christian science practitioner who was helping people to heal tuberculosis and seeing over 100 people a day and having just a few minutes with them to pray with them and then on to the next one. And people were having miraculous healings. And they asked him, how are you doing it, Joel? And he says, I asked the Father and the Father does it. The same thing is giving it up to the Holy Spirit in faith and trust, that we're worthy of having a healing and that we're not being punished by whatever it is we're experiencing, that everything that we're experiencing in the world of form has come to help us, everything. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you.
Well, let's, let's pray on that. Mm. Grateful and thankful. Grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the mighty power of prayer. Grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the activity of healing, of transformation. So grateful and thankful to give to the Holy Spirit here and now all that does not serve our journey of love, all confusion, all concern, all doubt. We're calling forth a miraculous healing at all levels. We are grateful and thankful to accept this healing. We allow the healing to be. We're sharing the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful and so thankful that the Holy Spirit is always with us, always for us, and we're never alone. So grateful and thankful that we're already as worthy as we could ever possibly be. All are worthy. In gratitude, we share, 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 and we let it be, be, be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Beautiful, beautiful to be with you. Thank you so much. Mwah. Bye for now. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.